what makes a successful stock market investor. There's really two ingredients to successful stock market investing. One is time and the other one is discipline. If you want to win in the stock market, you need time and you need discipline. And the way you give yourself time is make sure that if you have a goal or an investment goal or financial goal that's less than five years, you don't put it all in the stock market. You protect it. Make sure that your income stream is protected. Because what happens is if someone has a short-term goal, if someone is drawing an income stream from it and the stock market is volatile, which it has been and always will be, it means that you can let it go you have the time to recover, which means you can stay disciplined. Hello, and welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Paul. Great to be back here in the, in the studio. Great studio. Great to be here today. And, you know, today we have a fun topic. Um, you know, all along the season, we've been talking about really kind of seven areas of planning that goes in line with the mission of Wise Wealth. But let's just take a step back from maybe anyone who's never watched this or heard this before. What is the mission of Wise Wealth? Uh, well, the mission of Wise Wealth really could be defined in one hashtag, hashtag G-S-E-L, which stands for Give, Serve, and Enjoy Life. So the mission of our firm is to guide families on a path that makes work optional and to design a plan that leads to the freedom to give, serve, and enjoy life like never before. So we exist every day. Our goal every day when we meet with clients is to help them get to the place where work is optional, where they're totally free, not to just be lead independent lives, but to be free so they can give more, serve more, enjoy life more. And we know that's what gives people a fulfilling life. We know that's why people saved and invested their whole life so they can get to the place where they're free to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we talked earlier in the season about that. And you can click on the link in the show notes below to, to get to that episode where we talked about making work optional, what that means. And so, but yes, absolutely. The, the freedom to give, serve and enjoy life is why we do what we do. You know, I mean, we talk about this every day. It's not just a job. It's not just something we go and do. It's a calling for us. It, it's important enough for me to uh, put it on the wall in the office here. The, the biggest wall we have, the biggest space available uh, we have right on the wall, hashtag GSEL. You can't miss it when you come to our office. In fact, it was so important to us, to our clients, that we said, hey, we're going to actually go and trademark this hashtag. We're going to go copyright this hashtag so no one else can use it. It's unique to Wise Wealth. It's unique to our firm. It's unique to our clients. Hashtag GSEL, give, serve, enjoy life. And so that's great. And then we, we've talked about the seven areas of financial planning that are revolved around this. As far as when we talk about retirement income planning, a lot of people think about just income. Right. And, you know, traditional old school, I would call it old school, just the traditional investment advice would be just put your money in a portfolio. You try to keep it safe, try to draw income from it and try to grow it. We say there's a better way. But if that's all you're focused on, that's not really going very deep when it comes to planning and when it comes to your retirement. That's that's very shallow. It's shallow and it doesn't feel very fun. 
uh, it doesn't give you a lot of freedom. So, you know, one of the biggest fallacies we do see people make in traditional financial planning and people, a lot of times the do it yourselfers, uh, they get to a certain stage in life where they feel like they have enough assets, have accumulated a nest egg where they feel like that's enough to live on. But the big mistake is they keep, like you said, they keep all their money in one portfolio. And in one portfolio, they're trying to keep their money liquid. They're trying to draw an income from it and grow it. And we've always told all of our clients, there is a more efficient way. There's a less expensive way. There's a more guaranteed way. There's a more fun way. Uh, there's a way that gives you a lot more access to your money in retirement than putting it all in one bucket and trying to do all those things in there. It's not efficient. It doesn't lead to you know peace of mind. And confidence in retirement, which is the whole goal of what we call the freedom plan, which is what we want people to have. And so I know we'll get into that a little bit more. Yeah. So what are the, just briefly, what are the seven areas that we cover when yeah. we look at planning? Uh, so we have seven areas of, uh, you know, retirement planning for someone to say, when we say you don't have a real plan unless it's written down and all these things, but it's not written down, but it also needs to cover seven areas. And we break these down really into one overarching area, and that is freedom. We want everyone to have retirement freedom. So that's number one. That covers all of this. But then it comes into two different areas. Uh, one area of freedom planning is income planning. And we've talked, we've already covered all of that. Um, in, uh, you know, at least the most of we're going to cover the last part, I guess, today uh, in this podcast, but income planning. And then there's also impact planning in under income planning. There's three areas. There's liquidity planning, income planning and growth planning, which is the topic for today's episode. And then there in the impact plan, there is tax planning, legacy planning and insurance, which I know we're going to get to later on in this season. So as far as income planning is concerned, there's three areas, liquid, income, and growth. We've already covered liquid and income. Today is growth. But then once you have all six areas, someone has a plan for their liquid needs. Someone has a plan for their income stream. Someone knows how they're going to let their money grow in retirement. They have a plan to for taxes and, and minimizing taxes in retirement. They have all their uh, powers of attorneys. They have their wills, their trust, all those things set up. And they have their insurance in order, whether it's Medicare, long-term care, life insurance, then you really do have the freedom. Everything's covered. You have a plan for all the contingencies. You know why your money's invested the way that it is. Once you know that, you've only taken a risk with the portion of money that you can afford to have at risk. You know what would happen to your money if you were to die or to become disabled or have a medical issue. You know how much you're going to pay in taxes. What does that give a person? It gives them freedom. Now to go do what you wanted to do all those years that you saved and invested for retirement was not to go sit there for the rest of your life in retirement, worry about taxes, insurance, uh, legacy planning, stock market, all that kind of stuff. You should be out in the RV. You should be on the boat. You should be on the lake. You should be on the golf course. You should be doing these things, enjoying life or being involved in serving your kids, grandkids, giving to projects you want to give to all those kinds of things. So it's kind of like the American dream. It's the retirement dream. We want to give back to people. And the sad part is there's a lot of people who are trying to live that dream by keeping 100% of their money, invest in the stock market in one portfolio, trying to do all these things. And we say, look, that's not a peaceful way to enjoy retirement. There is a better way. And it's the freedom plan, which covers all six of these areas. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so when we talked about liquidity planning and income planning, we, we covered those in the last three episodes. And so people can go back and watch those as well. But when your liquidity, your liquid bucket is set, because we always broke this down into three buckets, liquid income and growth, which is the base of the income plan, right? So when you have your liquid bucket 
fully funded, but not overfunded. And you have your income set, mm-hmm. your level of, of income guaranteed so that you know that you don't have to worry about it. Your income is coming in no matter what. So now you have emergencies covered mm-hmm. and you have income covered. Now we put the rest in growth. Why would someone, why do we want that growth bucket to be as big as it can possibly be? So that's a great question. But what I really want to do is make sure that everybody understands the way the three bucket approach works. And the way we look at the three bucket approach is it does go in this order. Uh, You can basically look at this from top to bottom. You fill up each one of your buckets from the liquid bucket, then the income bucket, then the growth bucket. And what we're going to talk about today when it comes to the growth bucket and why it's so important to have as much money as possible in the growth bucket and why we're going to talk about investing it the way that it is, is as long as you've done the first two the right way. And that's what you just alluded to. And so I would just tell everybody to go back and listen to the liquid bucket rules and how to fund that bucket first. Then whatever money does not go into the liquid bucket is available for the income bucket. Whatever money we don't put in the income bucket is available for the growth bucket. So I'd encourage everyone to go back and listen to the podcast about the liquid bucket, then the income bucket, because now we get to this one. And our general philosophy is in the liquid bucket, we're going to take on no risk. The money has to be available for those reasons we talked about there. In the income bucket, we're going to talk about no risk or low risk. Mm -hmm. Our, Our philosophy here is protect the income stream, grow the rest. So now we're looking at when it comes to the three bucket approach, the only bucket that we're really taking a risk with is the growth bucket, but it's the only bucket that we can afford to take a risk with. And the main reason is because that bucket is the bucket that you're going to use to fund your, uh, your remaining lifestyle throughout retirement. So for example, the growth bucket is designed to make sure your money is keeping up with healthcare costs rising with inflation and with taxes. There's a few unknowns that paralyze a lot of people as they plan for retirement. I don't know about my healthcare expenses. I don't know what inflation is going to do. What are we going to do about that? I don't know what the tax rates are going to be in the future. We know currently they're historically low. And so a lot of times people get paralyzed. They're like, I can't do planning because I don't know those three variables. Then we say, okay, what we need to do first is make sure you know what you need in the next three to five years. Put that in the liquid bucket. We need to make sure we know what your income need is when you start retirement put that money in the income bucket, protect it. Then we're going to deal with inflation in the growth bucket. We're going to deal with tax increases in the growth bucket and healthcare costs and a lot of other things. And so the purpose of the growth bucket is to make sure that the the money invested in there is beating inflation. So when when financial planners talk about a real rate of return, a lot of times they're talking about what's the rate of return after the inflation rate. So if inflation is 3% a year and you're earning 2%, you're losing money even though your investments earn three. So we need to make sure that in the growth bucket, the bare minimum requirement is to make sure however that money's invested is at least beating inflation. Because we all know that in retirement, as you start your income, you know, you're starting to draw income from your assets in retirement. That may be the right amount for the first five years, 10 years, who knows what inflation is going to do. But as you live longer in retirement, the more money you are going to need to basically just keep up with your basic bills. And we're seeing that a lot this year uh, with clients. And so therefore the way we beat inflation is with the stock market, uh, cash in the bank annuities. They're really not designed to keep up with inflation. The stock market is. So we use the stock market for that. So when we talk about the growth bucket, we are talking about people that have already fulfilled or filled the liquid bucket, filled the income bucket, 
now because of that, we can take on risk in the growth bucket and the purpose is to, to beat those three things for the most part, healthcare, inflation, taxes. And ultimately, when we look at the three buckets, the liquid bucket is liquid. The income bucket is not liquid and the growth bucket is liquid. So to go back to the question you asked, I, I, I always remember the question. At the end of the day, I come back to it, okay? The question you asked is, why is it so important to have that much money in the growth bucket? We want our clients to have as much money as possible there because that is liquid. It's available. It's the fun money. It's the money that you know you can use in retirement without impacting your short-term goals and needs, without I impacting your income stream. And, and it's one of these things we talk about a lot of times when we teach our classes and in the book, you know, we talk about, you know, how much money do you actually have available to spend in retirement? If you use all one portfolio, you're never going to touch it because you just spend your whole life thinking, well, I can't use any of my money because if I do, my income might go down. That's why we segment it. That's why we separate it out because we know if a client touches the money in the growth bucket, it has no impact on their income stream or their short-term needs. So what we want for all of our clients is to have not only just money that's producing an income stream, but money you could actually use over and above that. That's the real wealth. That's the real fun money that people have that we want people to have available. So that's why we want it to be as big as possible. Yeah, and, and that's that's very similar to like when we talked about a budget, right? And how it's okay to budget for stuff you want to do, and then you don't have to feel bad about spending it. It gives you freedom. The budget gives you freedom. The same with the growth bucket. When you know I can spend this, mm -hmm. it gives you freedom. And, of course, freedom is what this is all about anyway. And so, but when we look at the income or the growth bucket, right, we, we've talked about other things like the liquid bucket is it has a very specific time frame, things you need in the first five years. Income, obviously, that's your lifetime, Right. That's what we're looking at. But what's the time frame for the growth bucket? Well, if you do planning the way that we recommend the growth bucket really is for money that you do not need to access for five years or longer. If there's anything that we want all of our clients, all of our listeners to understand is this concept of the five year rule. It is so extremely important. The five year rule is only take diversified risk with money that you have no plans to access for at least five years. And so if you go back to our three bucket approach, the liquid bucket is, do you have any known or planned purchases or expenses within the next three to five years? If so, we're gonna put that in the liquid bucket. The income bucket is a known purchase and expense that's coming up within that time frame too. So the only money in the growth bucket, the only money we're gonna take a risk with, and it doesn't have to be really risky, it just needs to beat inflation, the only money we're going to take a risk with in the growth bucket is money that we have no plans to access for five years or longer. So I want everyone to think about that. If you don't, if, if you know you don't need the money in the stock market for five years or longer, what does that allow you to do? That allows a person to take on more risk. If I need the money sooner than five years, I can't take a risk. If I need the money for an income stream, I cannot take on the risk. And everyone needs to go back and listen to the income bucket conversation. We talked about sequence of returns, average annual rates of return. There's a reason why you cannot take a risk with your income stream in retirement when you're in the distribution phase. Okay. But when you're in, uh, but during the distribution phase, once your income is set, you can take a risk with some of your assets. 
and it's those assets that are not in those other two buckets. But we have five years or longer. When someone has five years or longer, not only can they take on risk, but more than likely, they're going to beat inflation with the money. They're going to have positive returns. And so I just pulled up a proposal you know, this morning of even the most aggressive portfolio we have. If you look at one of our aggressive model portfolios, we can look at, because it's invested in the stock market, this is 85% stocks. The average annual rate of return on this portfolio is about 7.5% per year. But in order to average 7.5% per year, we know that a portfolio is going to go up and down in value, especially 85% stock portfolio. There's going to be a large potential one-year loss during that period of time. So the worst one-year return on our most aggressive portfolio is minus 37%. So I want everyone to think about this for a minute. If we put someone in our most aggressive model and it went down 37% in one year, if they were drawing an income stream from that money, they'd be in serious trouble. If they needed that money within five years for a known purchase or expense, they'd be in serious trouble. But if the money is actually in the growth bucket and we don't need this money for five years or longer, and it went down 37% in one year, it really has no impact on the client. Because it's not, you know, we don't need it for the short-term expenses. We don't need it for an income stream. What does that allow us to do? It allows us to stay disciplined so if we look further out, the worst three-year return in the most aggressive model portfolio we have is a minus 7% return. So it's not bad, but it's still negative, even over a three-year period of time. But now if you look at the worst five-year return in the most aggressive model portfolio that we have, it's a positive 5% return. What's the point? The point is that there has never been historically over any five-year rolling period, a negative return over a five-year period of time, even in our most aggressive model portfolios. I would also say even in our all-equity model portfolios, 100% stocks, it's possible to have a negative return in one year. It's possible to have a negative return over a three-year period of time. It has never happened where it's been a negative return over a five-year holding period of time. This is why we're so confident that people should only take diversified risk with money they don't need for five years or longer. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that five-year rule is so critical. I I look back over the time that we've been doing this and, you know, when, when the markets go down or the markets are crazy or they're volatile and people are starting to worry and there's big swings and there's drops and there's pandemics and there's elections and there's all these things. And I look back and... I could almost take, whether it's an email that you sent or a video you recorded or something you sent out to clients to say, I understand that the market's going a little crazy right now, but remember, the money you have invested in the market, you shouldn't need for five years. And when that happens, the advice is always the same. Mm -hmm. If your time frame has changed, then we make a change. Otherwise, we stay the course. And that's because... We've segmented it out, and we know that they're emergency fund, mm -hmm. they're known and planned purchases, and their income is not affected by those swings in the market. Uh, the reason why people make mistakes in the stock market is that they don't have time. Okay, so you know what, what makes a successful stock market investor? There's really two ingredients to successful stock market investing. One is time, and the other one is discipline. 
if you want to win in the stock market, you need time and you need discipline. And the way you give yourself time is make sure that if you have a goal or an investment goal or financial goal that's less than five years, you don't put it all in the stock market. You protect it. Make sure that your income stream is protected. Because what happens is if someone has a short-term goal, if someone is drawing an income stream from it and the stock market is volatile, which it has been and always will be, it means that you can let it go. You have the time to recover, which means you can stay disciplined. And the reality is this, that most investors don't behave rationally when the stock market is going down. And the reason they don't behave rationally when the stock market is going down is because they don't have the time to recover. And so the most important thing you could do is make sure that you take, you only leave in the stock market money that you don't need for five years or longer. But then whatever money you don't need or five years or longer should be in the stock market. Don't get too conservative with that. Don't get too you know careful with that. We have clients, Paul, that can be 70 years old, 80 years old. 90 years old and have a portfolio that is made up of 75% stock still. Most people say, that's crazy. How can we do that? Well, the reason we can do that and let their money continue to grow and multiply and compound throughout the retirement years is because the buckets one and two are, are safe. The five-year rule, the, you know, the first five years in the liquid bucket income stream is protected. And like you said, if there's ever current market trends, if there's conditions that make the stock market volatile, we're always going to ask a couple of questions to our clients. Number one is, do you need any of this money in the next five years for a known or a planned purchase or expense? If the answer is yes, we're going to do something different with that money. We're going to remove the risk. Do you need any of this money that's in the stock market to produce an income stream? If the answer is yes, we're going to make a recommendation to change those allocations. If the answer is no to those two questions, we're going to say the best thing you can do is stay disciplined, stay in the market, because it will give you the returns that you need over time. So when we talk about it, if you think about, um, like you said, an aggressive portfolio, so 85% equity, 15% safe money or bonds, let's say. So you could have an 85-15 portfolio with one stock and one bond, but that's not diversified. And so when you spread out the risk over multiple companies, multiple, multiple sectors, international, local, all, all of that, yeah. we're taking some of the risk off. And so then everything's not moving in the same direction at the same time. Absolutely. And this is important. So when, we, when we're talking to our clients, we're talking about behavioral finance, we're talking about investor behavior, we might make a decision early on and say, you know what, I feel comfortable in, let's say, the growth model, which is 75-25. In that growth model, the client looks at it and says, okay, the worst downside is 30% down. I'm comfortable. I can see that. The worst three-year return is even or you know just barely negative. The worst five-year return is positive. We all agree. We don't need this money for five years. I want that portfolio. So then there's no reason to panic or fear. You know, if the market's going down in between there, we know what it's going to do over five-year periods of time. We've already said it's never had a negative return. So when a client calls, we're going to say, did anything change? You need money in the next five years or income and that kind of stuff. If the answer is no to those, we're going to say, well, you need to stay in this portfolio. But what I want to make the point is the portfolio managers, it doesn't mean that they're not making changes. Okay. So it's very important to make the distinction between what should the client do? Should I be moving in and out of these portfolios? Should I be moving down the more conservative and getting back into more aggressive? Should I be timing the market? All those things we would say no. 
But if we're in a 75-25 growth model portfolio, the portfolio managers are looking at that all the time and saying, okay, should we move from, you know, this growth stock fund to this growth stock fund? Is this one performing better? Is this one taking on less risk? It's their job to manage the portfolios to the market conditions. It's not our job as advisors. It's not, our, it's not the job of the client to be moving around from one portfolio to another. If you want the long-term returns of a growth model portfolio, you have to stay in it long-term. So that's why we don't jump around between all these models all the time. We let the model managers make the changes to the models, but we stay disciplined for the return that we need over that period of time. Yeah. And, and what I hear in that too is uh, I hear an upcoming episode when we actually talk to a portfolio manager, right? right? So I, I know in the future we're going to have some guests on and uh, different topics. And so, well, I, I'm sure we'll we'll have at least a portfolio yeah. manager on here. So <laughs> and, I, and I know we're probably getting close to the time here, but I just want to say uh, one of the reasons why we, we manage the buckets the way we do, mm -hmm. uh, we can manage relationships a lot better. Yes. We want our clients to have the freedom plan. We want to encourage them to give, serve, enjoy life. So we don't sit in our office every day, look at the stock market. You know, we do. We look at it, but it's not to the point of we got to do something. We need to call our clients. We need to buy and sell. We need to get in and get out. And this is what a lot of, uh, you know, financial advisors will do. Constantly trying to do something that no one has the power to do, and that is control the stock market or beat it. We want to just get what the stock market is going to give us. And the way to do that is time and discipline. And so uh, we tell our clients, you know, you, there's no, you, you don't have to call here and say, hey, what should we do? Should we get in? When should we get out? No, we have a plan for this. That's why you have to have a plan. And we don't do the same thing. We're not calling anybody and saying, let's buy, let's sell, let's get in, let's get out, let's overweight, let's underweight, let's do all these things that traditional financial advisors do. And the reason we don't have to do that is because we know the money that's invested in the stock market for our clients, as far as we know, they don't need any of that money today, tomorrow, this week, next week. They don't need the money for five years. So why would we panic? It would be the wrong thing to do as advisors, as fiduciaries, to constantly be calling our clients, tell them to do something when the most prudent thing to do, the way to get the maximum out of the stock market returns is to do nothing because you already have a plan, because you already have a portfolio that's designed and constructed to take on the least amount of risk for the rate of return over that period of time. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why we spend so much time up front mm -hmm. as we walk through the planning process and, and we do that, that. We spend so much time up front trying to get it right. Right, because that's where most of the return comes from is doing things right from the beginning. And so so that's that's what we focus on and and that's where we we really have the plan itself becomes really critical at this point. Right? Because the plan determines the products. And so how it should be invested when we talk about the rate of return needed. There might be a couple different rates of returns needed because we know even like we've talked about it before with inflation, healthcare inflation grows at a faster rate than standard inflation. It, it's so important where you say you mentioned one of the five principles. Another one is no investment decisions outside the context of a plan. It's easy for someone to go back and look at, hey, historic returns, of the stock market without understanding that there's a difference between the average annual rate of return and the real in understanding standard deviation. We know that there's a lot of armchair quarterbacks. There's a lot of you know investors that think they know everything about the stock market or trying to give everybody advice. But what you just said is so important. The plan comes first. 
uh, should someone own, yeah, have money in cash? How much money should someone have in the stock market? Should a person own an annuity? There is no such thing as a bad investment, only a bad fit. The way it starts with the plan, if you have to get anything right, more important than the investment decisions is the plan. So we start with the plan. We constantly go back to the plan. We end with the plan. The plan is what leads to freedom. The plan is what leads to peace of mind. The plan is what gives people confidence, which is why we take our time making sure people have the plan in place. Then we have our responsibilities in that plan. Clients have their responsibilities in that plan. We go enjoy life. Absolutely. So, yeah, this was very helpful today to talk about the growth bucket, the the two things that are needed, the time and discipline, and how the growth bucket really addresses both of those for people to be successful in investing in the stock market so they don't have to live in fear of the volatility of the stock market, even in retirement. And so appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be here today to talk through this. Uh, thank you, Stephen, for doing that and for uh, for this podcast, Can, your your commitment to ongoing education. I, I know the clients and everyone who watches and listens uh, appreciates appreciates the time and effort that you put into this. And so, so thank you, Stephen. Again, thank you to all of you who are watching and listening to this podcast. You're the reason we do this. We wouldn't be here without you. If you haven't already, click below to subscribe. That way, when a new episode comes out, You'll be notified right away that it's out and you'll be able to listen to that. I know we got some great episodes still yet ahead in uh, this season five. And so look forward to that. It also makes it easier to share this with family and friends. And so if you haven't already, take time to share this channel, this episode with some of your family and friends. It's a great way to be able to share the education that you've gotten out of this and the advice and the information that you get from this as well. So thanks for watching. This is Paul Brock from Wise Wealth reminding you again that financial peace comes from having a plan. And we'll see you next time.